Hello and welcome to the Kings of East Hull podcast. That's right, the red and whites are family, top of the tree, and don't we just love it? The Robin Pod is course, powered by Budget Tides Auto Centre, the only car specialist trusted by the players, club officials and supporters of Hull Kingston Rovers. And for this week's bumper edition of the Robin Pod, I'm joined by four fantastic guests as Steve Till, and James Perlin joining me to talk about all things red and white. Statman Reese from the Leeds Rhinos Lock Pod podcast gives us the lowdown on our rivals heading into Fez's round two Super League fixture. Firstly, though, let's hear from former Robin Paul Cook. Cookie, it's great to have you on the Robin Pod Weekly once again. Um, since you last appeared on the Robin Pod, um, you've took up a coaching gig at at York, tell us a little bit more about that, mate. Yeah, not not looking to get back into it. To be fair, I just went over and met Andrew Henderson and Clint Goodchild, the owner. Um, yeah, and, and it, yeah, I suppose it tickled my fancy. I suppose it just it, it pricked my ears up. Um, so yeah, I've gone in there on an on an expenses basis this year, uh, where the media commitments I have will still take precedent. Hence, why I was at the derby with with them. Um, Talk spot to last weekend, and I've got a couple of games this weekend. So if the clash with training or games, then I'll have to to make it that that my precedent set with with, with regards to the the media work. But uh, it's great to be back involved with the players. Um, they're a really good group, a really good group, really you know respectful and courteous, and 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 really care about you know playing well and improving. So yeah, I'm back into it a little bit and enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah, and is it is it that interaction with the players and just being around the lads that that you enjoy, but also yeah. being able to to better them as well? And and I suppose when it's a group that's willing to learn, it's always a lot easier. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is for me. Um, you know, to be around the players is most important, and to be able to to interact with them and get to know them, uh, to know them on and off the field, to to know what makes them tick, and you know that's a fascinating part of coaching. And I've missed it. If I'm honest, I've missed it over the last three or four years where, where I've had some personal stuff to deal with at home. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been really good. I've got the full support of my partner at home um, to, to be out a few nights a week and a weekend, you know, where she's helping a great deal. So, um, yeah, yeah, right now everything's going great. We've, we've um, won one and lost one. We've got a, a big game at the weekend against Sheffield in the, the Challenge Cup, then another 1895 Cup game before the league campaign starts. At all places at Doncaster for me, so back to back to meet Cal all again and uh, reacquaint with Richard Orn uh, as the head coach there. So yeah, really looking forward to the twenty twenty four season and seeing what happens with the IMG system in twenty twenty five. Yeah, and before we talk about the the opening round of Super League, um, Alex Wormsley penned uh, put his thoughts to, <clears throat> to paper regarding player welfare and the need for yeah. players to have a greater uh, a greater voice in rugby league. Obviously, been probably the biggest stakeholder in the game, um, advocating the the return of a specific players' union. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, players at the moment can join the GMB, but that's a, a general workers' union, isn't it? I mean, what's your, 
your thoughts on on the union and 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 players having more of a voice in general? Well, we've been saying it for too many years since I was playing as, as a full time player, and, and bear in mind I finished in two thousand and ten. So we're talking well over a decade ago. We've been talking about a players' union uh, and getting in a, a rugby league players' association union. Um, Alex contradicts himself a little bit as well in his statement because what he says is the players need a greater voice. Well, they've had the blueprint from Clint Newton since 2019. So mm. we're talking five years that they've had this blueprint. And now he's going on about changing the game and, and having a say. Well, he could have done that five years ago while he was playing as a younger player and had a say in this, what we're going into now. It's all well and good wanting to come up with all of these, you know, be involved in a play players union when the game starts making changes but if you want to be in there making changes then somebody's gonna to have to start it you know and i think the players contradict themselves a great deal when they say we need a players union we need more of a voice well we've had this ongoing conversation now for well over a decade since i was playing and we've not done it um so somebody's got to take the lead i think gareth carvel tried really hard to bring up the players union and get a players union going because i i was i was speaking to him at, an event at Salford where he was he was travelling the country and speaking to players. The problem is the players don't buy into it for me. Yeah. And the players are whinge and whine about the rules of the game and that the the rules are changing, yet not one of them want to put their hand in the pocket and play, pay to be in a players' union. So for me, it's a little bit a little bit condescending and a little bit, in my opinion, it's a little bit, you know, you, you're talking about changing the game, yet you've had a chance since 2019. Well, somebody take the ball by the horns. And somebody change the game and, and have, let the players have a say. You know, because it's no good just talking about it in the press and penning letters when the, the RFL decide to change the rules. And the only reason they've had to change the rules is because of the head injuries and, and the, the litigation against the game. You know, we wouldn't have a game if they didn't change the rules. And now, now we're moaning about the game itself when we wouldn't have one. So, you know, I find it, I just find it a little bit strange that, you know, we need to get a players' union up and running, but who's going to do it? You know, what's the logistics of it? What's it going to pay? You know, who's going to pay who? And, and, and who's going to put their hand in the pocket? The NRL put in three million a year to the players' union over there. The RFL aren't going to do that over here. We've got not enough money coming into the game. So the players are going to have to fund it. And if the players want to say, then the players will fund it. Yeah. And I suppose someone's got to take the bull by the horns, haven't they? And, yeah. and really, I think John Wilkin tried previously as well. And for whatever reason, over the past cookie, it's just. You know, people have put forward their opinions on what should happen, but then no one's really took the bull by the horns and followed. Exactly. Exactly. So we can sit there and moan about it all we want. And we can pen as many letters as we want. And the players can have as much say as they want on the game. You know, Luke Yates coming out about the RFL tribunal, uh, the, you know, the, the match review panel commission. You know, a couple of bans for a ban for him and a three game ban and a fine. No ban for Harry Smith, no ban for Adam Kieran, which sim similar tackles. Well, if we want to change that, and the players want to change that, they're the most, they're the biggest commodity in the sport. They are the superstars that we all want to go and watch weekly perform the, the, the superhuman skills that they've got. Well, if they're going to start it, then start it. And if they're going to have one, then have one and run it properly and make sure it's funded properly. And if you really want to say in the game, then you'll put your hand in your pocket because that's what stops players doing it. 100% what stops players doing this is they don't want to put their hand in their own pocket because they're already playing the game and putting themselves at risk. Well, something's got to give. If they want one, then they've got to fund it because the RFL certainly haven't got the money to be funding it. No, and it's a great point you make. I mean, membership fees, whatever it is, you know, yeah. the, 
got to sell, you've got to put your hand in your pocket. And if, if, if it's a cause that you believe in and you really want to make change, then you know, you, you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere and, and yeah. then make a stand on it. We'll see if that happens. I mean, there's talk about at the moment. I mean, Alex Wormsley's getting big raps for what he said, and he's not necessarily wrong for what he said, but he needs to to use that groundswell of opinion now, doesn't he? To well, if, you're talk, talk, the if, you're, if you're gonna talk, if you're gonna talk, talk, then walk the walk. If you're gonna pen these letters, then walk the walk. And I don't think he's wrong in what he's saying, by the way. Yeah. I, I really don't. But then in, in the next line, he puts, "Well, we've had the blueprint since 2019." Well, why has it been done since 2019 then? If we've got this blueprint and we're going to go back to the 2019 blueprint, then we're going back five years and we should be five years down the line. In all honesty, if Clint Newton's come over and spoke passionately about a players' union in 2019, then we're five years behind the eight ball. You know, we've been stuck yeah. for five years when we should have had a players' union. It's only starting now because the game's changing because of the head injury and the litigation uh, with the ex-professionals against the game. It's only now beginning to change, and people are penning letters about it. The match review panel's always been at a sticky point with, with players within the game, you know, where it's one rule for one, one for, for another, and the inconsistency of it. But again, if you want to change that, and you want to be a player or a players' union that has a, a voice within the game, then get it started. Yeah, I mean, coming on to that, obviously the, the letter was penned on the back of uh, the first round of Super League, we saw Nam players given suspensions. Yep. Um, Liam Watts, Pele, they're going to tribunals, so we don't know what what their bans are going to be. I suppose with the new rules, Cookie, I mean, this was always going to happen. There was yep. always going to be a period of change, indifference, um, and over the course of a season, it does normally level level itself out. I suppose from a supporter's point of view. There does seem to be a few glaring inconsistencies, and even Luke Yates has, has come out and, and said that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think using somebody else's um, misdemeanors is necessarily a defence for your own. You know, it's not. It's not. But it gives the consistency argument a, a very weighted argument, doesn't it? In terms of you know, one one player gets banned for a specific tackle, and then the next player doesn't get banned. Now you've got to take into account Liam Watts has gone to tribunal on the basis of a grade E, which I don't think is a grade. But you look at his past record and you think the rap sheet that he's got on him, everything that he does wrong is going to be a higher grade. So it may well have been a grade D, but it's upgraded to a grade E because Liam Watts' charge sheet tells you everything about the player that mm. he's become in terms of, and I'm not saying every everything that he does is wrong on the field, but there's some real stupid ones that he does. I mean, you know, is Liam Watts not going to hit somebody off the ball? You know, and I've spoke to Liam about it. You're going to keep your hands off players before before games. And he's gone and got himself sin-binned by just putting his shoulder into someone as they've passed the ball. Now, that's something he can control. He can control that. Um, Luke Yates can control the tackle that he made. He can't control what the referees in the match review panel do with regards to the tackle that Harry Smith made or Adam Kieran at the Hull FC in the Hull FC Scott Taylor testimonial. But he, he can control what he does. You know, we start looking outside and, and looking at mitigation factors of, of other players, then we're going down a really dangerous route because not everything's the same. You know, not every not every decision's made the same. I'm not sure of Luke, Luke Yates' charge sheet, and, and I wouldn't even like to guess on it. I wouldn't say that he's got a good or a bad one. Um, you know, Adam Kieran certainly hasn't. Harry Smith certainly hasn't. I know that because they're recent within the game. I'm not sure how, how Luke Yates' charge sheet looks, but... Um, if we again, 
if we're going to have a voice within the game, then we've got to get this players' union together and have a voice on everything, including the match review panel, including fixtures, including how many fixtures we have, whether we have loop fixtures. And I know we want away with them with the IMG system anyway. But if you want to say on the game, then you've got to have a say on the game professionally and, and make sure that we've got the right person in charge of that players' union so that they can they can stand up for them players. The match review panel, you know, it's really difficult to comment on because you don't know what, what goes on in that room and you know all we see is some inconsistencies of 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 players charges um and it, and it looks bad it really does you know the Luke Yates one is is exactly or, or very similar to the Adam Kieran and the Harry Smith one yet they don't receive bans and you can understand Luke's frustration from that um, but what I would say is that Luke Yates can look after his own tackle technique in his own backyard if you like um, and he can't you can't rely on the fact that referees are seeing it differently or match review panels are seeing it differently with similar tackles. Um, what you've got to do is not make them tackles. And everybody's got to adjust and there's going to be a real, there'll be a real time period um, which takes adjusting to. You know, and when you when you consider next year coming in with the, the armpit height, then we're going to see lots of penalties blown even more so. We was at that behind closed doors game. Uh, with the the reserves last week, and there was much more penalties, mm. you know, many many more penalties blown for for above the armpit. So, you know, the players have got to adapt. There wouldn't be a game without without the the rules that are coming in, and and without not being able to hit anybody in the head with or without force or intent or not intentional. So we, we've really got to get on with it. Yeah, and I do think Cookie, that is the crux of the matter, and obviously you'll see firsthand with with the players on the training pitch. You know. Ultimately, the crux of the matter is that the players get their technique right. And we saw Tarek Sims put a huge hit on George Williams, yep. cleanly, fairly, took him off his feet. It can be done. So I do think the onus is on the players. It's easy to deflect and say, well, it's the referees or the match review panel for, for, for a judicator. But actually, you know, and the Lean Watts one is a great example. If, if he'd have actually wrapped his arms around him, he could have still stuck his shoulder and he still could have put a big hit on. But it has took care well, of the player he was tackling. Well, it's really interesting the way what we're going with the game, and, and I've had this conversation a lot about how you know how are we going to coach it into players to, to lower the body heights, and how is it? It's, and it, it, you see, it's not players are six foot six, six foot seven, six foot five, six foot four, whatever they are. We have to coach them players to, to lower the body height. And it's really difficult to teach Liam Watts, who's been doing it for fifteen years, to, to, to change his body height. Um, but it's got to be done. And if he doesn't do it, then he's not going to survive in the game. We may well go down the route of having, you know, your Luke Yates type footballers who are small and stocky as opposed to them like Alex Wormsley, who's penned his letter, uh, who is six foot four, because the, the, the tackle height on a six foot four player is much greater than it is on, on let's say, Rob Burrow, who was playing the game, you know, in the past when I played. I mean, how the hell are you going to tackle a Rob Burrow zipping around like he did do? Yeah. Uh, at five foot four, five foot five. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. going to be interesting which way the game goes because we've gone through periods of time where let's go back to the old Bradford Bulls team, which was just a, a bunch of giants. Well, you may well get in hindsight now, you may well get a much lower lower height on a player to bring into your club with the new rules over here. So it's going to be really interesting which way the game goes and how it goes and how the coaches coach it. Because I've had lots of conversations with coaches throughout the game over the last month or two about you know what it's going to take to be able to change the the habits of players and they are habits the habitual the 15 year habits you know it's really 
difficult to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, and then specifically, if you look at, for instance, the Matty Parcell incident where he's put hands on the, the player's face, you know. And, well, for me, for me, well, for me, John, that deserves much more of a one-game ban than a one-game ban. Yeah. You know, don't put your hands near a player's face. You don't spit at a player and you don't stamp on a player. There's three unwritten rules in rugby league. You know, don't don't put your hands near somebody's face and gouge them. You know, don't stamp on them, don't kick them and don't spit on them. You know, there's there's some real unwritten rules and I thought Matt Parcells was a bad one. I think Liggy yeah. is very much well within his rights to be able to kick out. Um, that doesn't excuse and uh, mitigate his factors, but he's received a three-game ban, Matt Parcell won, when the instigator of the whole incident is Matt Parcell by eye gouging and that's a bad one for me um, yeah. you know for, for, for Liggy South to kick out Franklin Pele one's a brain explosion that's not tough that's not playing yeah. rugby league tough you know that's just playing on the edge of frustration because you're not getting your own way and Hull Kiara beating you up and that's what yeah. there was doing there was beating Hull FC up um, the SES one you know but again big big men on the field now are going to get less and less because you're going to get blokes that have got footwork and with the tackle height changing next year and not been able to hit anybody in the head this year, you can't hang an arm out. So you're going to get more mobile players in the middle of the field as opposed to, you know, your big Franklin Pellers and Herman SESs. You know, they may well become less of a commodity to a team. Yeah. And I suppose the biggest frustration, Cookie, for me is that um, um, although, you know, round one, round one is so pleased about teams finding the way um, after pre-season, you wouldn't say it was necessarily the highest quality rugby league, but the round yeah. one of Super League had such a buzz around it. We had more eyes on it than ever in terms of TV coverage. We had fantastic attendances at games. Um, so then to be talking about discipline issues, off-field issues, seems a, he's a big bugbear of mine. Because... Did, did we think it was going to be any different, Jonah? <laughs> well, it, uh, with all due respect, did we think it was going to be any different? Because when the referees get the laws changed for them, They've got to adapt to them and they've got to be seen to be stringently and strongly enforcing them laws. You know, and every single season we have something at the beginning of the season. So I'll go back 10 years to when we had the lead and the sweep runners, where we had the, the, the you know, players, players that was in the defensive line running a block for a player who's out the back. And we had about 15, 20 penalties a weekend or even more than that, 40 penalties a weekend on players that was obstructing other players. And then after six weeks, it changes again because they see that that's not the proper rule. And then we make, you know, minor tweaks to it as, as the game as the game progresses throughout the season. So every single season at the beginning of the year, we, we get the people on out the whistle. I'm not sure why we think it's going to be any different when we've had all of these law changes. We're all talking about a game which is still going on, yeah. which is still here. And, and, and the, the top and bottom of it is, the game might not be around anymore if we didn't make these changes. You know, so so we wouldn't be talking about any Liam Watts shoulder to the head or Franklin Pelle with force to the head or Matt Parcel with eyes because there wouldn't be one if we didn't get insured. So we should, you know, we've got to, we've got to be thankful that we've got a game to, to spectate. And we've also got to move forward with the times as players and coaches and as a fan base and make sure that we, we understand that the referees are going to be strongly, you know, enforcing which laws they've been asked and, and forced to enforce themselves. Yeah, without doubt. And if we talk about what happened on the pitch in terms of playing, I suppose, Cookie, all the results pretty much went the way 
people expected. Maybe the Huddersfield League game, you know, an away win for Huddersfield, a good result for them. But you look across the results, you know, probably the way that, that many people thought it would go. Yeah, I thought, OK, I won in second gear. I really do. I thought Hulky are one in second gear. Um, I don't think they had to work particularly hard. I thought LFC handed them the game early on with regard three or four penalties early, a couple of sending in a sending off and another sending off. So, um, yeah, that went the way I thought it would. I thought they'd win by 13. If Petr Hickel could have kicked a goal, they might have done. <laughs> and that's an issue moving forward for Hulky are. I, well, I was just going to say, Cookie, on, the, on that one, Cookie, I mean, if you look at his track record of kicking... He's not. He's not exactly um, someone who, who, who's put many over the no. over the sticks, is he? And at this age now, is it is it a skill you can teach when you get to a certain age? Well, no, he will have always been able to kick a ball, John. Oh, simple as that. But he's not. He's not able to kick it as accurately as as 90 percent, which you need as a goal kicker in Super League. But in my opinion, um, from someone who has done it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's not. It's not easy. I had a goal kicking coach when I was at OLFC once. Um, I wasn't kicking great, we brought in a goal kicking coach and then I couldn't hit a band off from 10 yards. You know, I just wanted to be allowed to, to in my opinion, goal kicking is all about a little bit of natural and eye stuff. Uh, a bit like golfing. You know, we get lots of golfers that are of 24 handicap and then we get those that are off scratch. Mm. You know, and them that are off scratch are the best, best, best golfers. Whereas, you know, the most natural gifted, you know, goal kickers are those that are the most natural gifted. I know Hulky Arav had in Joe Ford. Um, and it may well work for some players. I went to Wigan the other week and Matty Pete's brought in um, a, a, a rugby union goal-kicking coach who's doing some work with Harry Smith and uh, Adam Kieran. Uh, so they, they, I spoke to Harry Smith. He was quite receptacle to it, uh, where, where he's, he's brought in a lot of you know, mental with his approach and, and, and how, he, how he attacks goal kicks before he even kicks the football. So, um, you know, it may well work for some it may not for others but but it is an issue because you, you know turning four into six or going from six in front to eight in front or 12 to 14 in front and making it a two or a three score game is really important in big games um so yeah it, it is an issue moving forward um uh, and it's a string to your boat if you're a goal kicker that is is very very important to to clubs so if you can be a goal kicker that is uh, and one which kicks at a high percentage um, then, then it's something that is really important. Petr Hickel just got to practice and practice um, mm. and kick his way out of it. I always found it difficult when I was missing goal kicks and then you, you eventually just find a rhythm by practicing and, and, and finding a way to, to kick a goal off, you know, which you should kick rather than one off the sideline, one which is 10 or 12 metres in from touch, which you should kick, you know, 100% of the time, starting to nail a couple of them. So, you know, it's peaks and troughs with goal kicking. It's not very, it's not an easy skill. Uh, and it's one which you can lose your confidence in quickly. Yeah, and there's no doubt the spotlight is going to be firmly on him. Now, yeah, isn't it that Leeds game on Thursday night? Well, I tend to think if you miss three in a in a row in a game, whether they're off if they're off the touchline, then it's a little bit less so. But if you're missing them by a long way off the touchline, if you miss three, then you're going to miss four, five, and six because mm. after three you start thinking about it mentally. So it's going to be an interesting one with him because it's not about. He didn't miss three on the trot at the weekend, but the one he did miss in the second half, which was for a penalty, is a shocker. I think Mark Wilson described it as the worst professional kick he's ever seen on a rugby field. Well, I'd go back to the the, um, the water splash final for that with regards to miss, the missed kick. And I know the conditions, you know, they the, the certainly played a part in that one, but that was a really important miss, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, fingers crossed we can get that that sorted. Um, going into round two, uh, Rovers kicking off the yeah uh, the second round again um, against Leeds Rhinos. Um, I suppose for both sides, it's going to be a bit more of a test of where where they might be. Uh, still yeah. early doors. There's so much so much will be leaked still be played, of course, over the course of the season. But this is quite an intriguing encounter for both sides. Yeah, it is. Because I thought Leeds did okay at the weekend. You know, when you consider that they've got a new spine in, in you know, a full back six and seven um, and nine, they've got a whole new spine completely. Um, then, then you think that they're going to take a little bit of time to gel. They got over the line against Salford. I thought Salford were great, but we, we you know, Leeds just did enough. Um, so them against the Hulkiaro, one in second gear, Hulkiaro certainly got to improve. Um, it's going to be a really intriguing clash. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I'm there on Thursday night. I'll be live at the game. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how Hulky are improved from round one to round two and how Leeds do the same. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting clash. I think Hulky are being at home will give them just, just enough. Always great to hear from Cookie, and in particular his views on the uh, proposed players' union from Alex Wormsley and uh, Matty Parcells' yellow card against that that lot. And to help me look back at that game against the black and whites are Steve Till and James Perlin, Red Robin uh, podcast regulars joining me for the Robin Pod Weekly. Steve, James, great to have you back on the Robin Pod. Steve, particularly you. Um, I know you've not been in the best of health most recently, so it's great to see you looking so fit and well on the Robin pod. How are you doing, mate? I'm okay, mate. I'm good, yeah. Just had a little procedure earlier in the week and I'm, I'm just getting over it now. Looking forward to the... To the Excellent news, James. Great to have you back on the Robin pod as well. Uh, Hull Kingston Rovers, 22-0 to... Victors over the uh, that lot from across the river in the end. Um, there was lots of anticipation. There was lots of, I suppose, maybe a little bit of anxiety in the build-up to the game. In the end, it was quite an easy encounter, wasn't it? And Rovers were, were worthy winners and, and the scoreline probably didn't do justice in terms of how dominant there was actually on the night. Yeah, yeah. Good evening, John. Good evening, Steve. Hope you're well. Um, yeah, like I said, I think, as, as Cookie just said, you know, Rovers just didn't get out of second gear. After get out of second gear on on Friday, on Thursday night, you know, I thought it was um, you know a very efficient performance overall, and um, it was just a really you know great side way to start the uh, start the season. Yeah, and Steve, I mean, Niall Evans, he went over after uh, went over after six minutes to score the first try of the game, and of course, them first opening minutes, you know, there's some big hits. Everyone's trying to dominate, but once that try went in. I mean, I give my mate uh, uh, Carl, who, who's been on the Robin Pod, I give him a little nudge, and I said, "Look, I think it already looked like it was game over for, just from that that first try." Hull just seemed to be uh, at sixes and sevens, and 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 unfortunately for them, their sixes and sevens weren't very good, <laughs> which was uh, <laughs> a bonus for for the Robins. But you know, the Old Kingston Rovers looked in total control so early on. Yeah, it was the line speed that got me. We were determined. It was a very professional mm. defensive performance early on, and that threw Hull completely. Um, the try, when it came, was a was was almost a certainty. But it, I was so impressed by the way we we attacked the whole um, 
line, you know, our line speed was fantastic. Our defence was fantastic. And you knew pretty early in the piece um, that we were going to win. It was just a case of by how many. And the Evels try kick-started it and, and a, a well-taken try as well. I mean, he, he ran through Jack Walker, who played for us last year and played very well for us. But he went, he went through him so easily, he just ran over him, didn't he, and scored. Good try. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the offload as well from Opportunity. Yeah, James. Was it with Peach, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah I, I commented on that. That ball was fantastic and it just it just left the it just left Evels with the uh, chance of scoring and he took it brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw further tries as well, didn't we, from, from Tanganoa. I mean, one of the players who impressed me most on the night, James, was uh, Kalepi Tanganoa. Obviously, it was a little bit touch and go where he was going to play Willie Peters, everything he said in the lead-up to the game alluded to the fact that he would start, and although he'd not featured in, in the pre-season friendlies. Um, and he looked very astute. He ran a couple of good lines, didn't he? Of course, he went over for the for a try. Um, and he looked like a player who fitted seamlessly into the into the Robins lineup, um, albeit against weakened opposition. And I, I make no bones about calling him that because it was um, I think even if they'd have played the first team, it'd have still been weakened opposition compared to the level we're operating at at the moment. Um, but Kaleki Tanganoa, I mean, he, he did a job and he did it very well. He did. I, I must admit, I was, I was really impressed with him. I think, you know, I've been impressed with him when he was at, uh, when, when he was at Wakefield. I think, you know, obviously there was a, there was a concern, I think, going into the uh, game with him not having played any pre-season, but... It just didn't. It just, like I said, he just fitted in seamlessly. It didn't. It, it, it looked like he played every game in preseason. Look, you know, it looked solid, good, good running, and just solid in defence as well. And I think, you know, once he gets his fitness, you know, his, his fitness uh, progresses through the, throughout throughout the next few games and stuff. You know, I think it's going to be it's going to be fantastic signing for us. You know, it just it, you know it looks really, yeah. It just it just looked the just look the just just look the piece for it. Just look, look great. It was a great pass from. We're talking about passes. It was a great pass from Mike Lewis. And oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, just yeah, Because other clubs are going to be watching Mike. Is he going to give it that short yeah. ball? And and yeah. of course we'll talk about it later. But Mike Lewis's try came from that same move, except mm. when he scored, yeah. he didn't pass it to Tanganoa. But the nah. whole the whole defense went towards Tanganoa. So that's going to be. That's going to be uh, a good move in in future games. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right, Steve. I think you know it was, it was a lovely pass from from Mikey and just sort of really soft hands, and they weren't going to stop Kalepi from that distance. Um, and you know, just you know, he's got big shoes to fill on that on that left hand left edge with uh, Lynette retiring. And I think yeah, he will, he will uh, if he carries on as he started, you know, and he's he will you know will be you know certainly fill those shoes that Lynette's left. He had a few injuries at Wakefield, didn't he, last year? Yeah. And I think that might have evolved by playing for a, a team that went on top of the form that were getting mm. beat every week. Um, whereas with Rovers, hopefully he's going to be with a team that are winning every week yeah. and that will just boost his confidence and, and help the club immensely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned about uh, injuries as well. I mean... He's not the first player who suffered injuries, but you've got to look at, I suppose, Steve, the the setup that Wakefield had and the the conditioning staff and the facilities and the on the opportunity to 
um, you know, to, to better facilities and, and, and doctors and all that kind of stuff. The wraparound care at Hulkington Rovers has, has gone on leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. Um, we've already talked on the Robin Pod previously about how the, the off-field setup and the the um, the structures they've put in place uh, uh, off-field are helping what happens on-field. And I suppose if you expose players to better conditioning, better quality staff, ultimately they're going to benefit from that. And hopefully, you know, Tanganoa might be one who benefits from that. And, and it'd be great, wouldn't it, to see, you know, someone in that position go through relatively injury-free mm, during yeah. the season because it's such an important position, Steve. Yeah. And, you know... James compared him with um, it last year. Um, the two two different players, but Linnet, I think Linnet was as good in defence as he was in attack, and we want to see this defence from Tanganoa. Um, but yeah, having a background, having all the help behind him, I'm sure he's gonna he's he's really gonna um, mm. play well this season. Yeah. Yeah, and it is really it's a good point to me. I mean, was was he really tested in defence? Probably not. I mean, we're, we're going to see that probably more maybe on Fraser's game throughout the course of the season. But he's he's definitely laid a, a solid foundation there. Yeah. Uh, it's James Mikey Lewis. He ran in uh, the fair try of the game. The Robins went in fourteen 0 up after Petehiku uh, landed the goal. I mean. I don't know what I love more, James. Mikey Lucy's try or his determination to go celebrate in front of the old fans. Um, he, he, the the yeah. Rovers players were celebrating with him. He was determined to get over to us <laughs> and, and, and yeah. do his little celebration in front. And, um, and and to be fair, I don't know if you've managed to watch the um, the documentary that Sky Sports did yeah. on him. It's available yeah. on YouTube. And, and for me, um, just in that documentary alone about his career, how he, he, he grew up playing for West Hull, how he got mm. his knockback at the City of Hull Academy, how he then came to Rovers, and then hearing how I'm in Cella and, and uh, Woody Peters talks about his maturity. Woody Peters mentioned about how he, mm. he was considering dropping him last season, but Mike Lewis's response made him actually go, no, he's going he's gonna to stay in the team. He, he seems to have come on... Um, you know, I said leaps and bounds about Kalepi Tanganoa, him and Mikey Lewis, and, and the maturity seems to be showing out on the field. He, I think last season he got a bit of a kick up the ass, and he seems to have took notice yeah. of that. And he, he doesn't look a completely different player, but he looks like a player who's got an older head on his shoulders at the moment. He does, and I think you know that that, that the, the documentary I thought you know was, was really in, interesting, and just sort of say really how important his um, you know his family is to him, and sort of how they've sort of helped him uh, go through things as well. But the try he took on on Thursday it was it was just it, it was a typical Mikey try, wasn't it? It was just sort of they just looked nothing on, but he made something happen, and that's what he, I think that's what he does. That's what he does best. He makes things happen, and I think that's when you look at the game, you know, the game of rugby league, that's what people. Want to see the one, you know, you know half, halfbacks in particular who get people on the feet. You know, they want you know, they want to be you know excited by them. We want to see him do something different. And I think Mike is that is that sort of player. And um, as for you know celebration in front of the, uh, the the FC fans, I thought yeah, great. You know how you know I think that's what you want in a in a halfback as well. You know you want you know you know Steve will remember the likes of Alex Murphy. You know just had a that that sort of edge to them that you know, just winds people up. You know, and gets opposition on, you know, they're um, on the toes and just, yeah, just 
again, you just don't know what this, what's going to happen. And yeah, yeah. I think it, yeah, I think it was great. I think he's great. It's progressing. I think we might have talked about this before on the podcast that you know he'd gone to York and onto Newcastle on loan, and that sort of seems to do him the world of good as well. I think you know helped him probably appreciate what he'd got. What he's got at Rovers and the, the surroundings he's got at Rovers, that's not just any great, you know, like Newcastle and York at the time. But, you know, that sort of thing gives him that experience, gives him that experience of actually trying to lead a, a team around the park and, you know, try something different. Uh, and, and and Rovers are now getting the benefit from that. And, you know, it's great. Yeah, it's great. I think the other benefit was Mighty playing for England. Yeah. I think being in that England camp at the end of last season. Um, yeah. It would have Sean Wayne would have boosted his confidence. He yeah. knew he wasn't going to play in the third test, but he got the man of the match in the first test. So yeah. you know it's not a bad record, is it? And um, and I think the benefit of of uh, training with the England squad, Nike training with the England squad has helped Rovers immensely, and Nike in particular immensely. Yeah, Steve, um, fourteen 0 at half time. Uh, at half-time, all the talk was about um, not will Hull make a comeback. It was more about how many points will Rovers score in the second half. Not least helped by the fact that uh, Franklin Pelle decided to try and um, lay one on Minchella. After laying a, uh, you know, a decent hit on him, he decided to then go and um, try and hit him into next week for some explicable reason. Fully deserving of the red card. Um but at that point, 39 minutes in a red card, 14 nil down. It was uh, an exercise in damage limitation for them. Um, but it had been a relatively comfortable first half, a couple of mitigating, mitigating circumstances, injuries for them, etc. But I'll tell you what, Steve, it was, it was full control from the Robins. And a player who probably went a little bit under the radar in that first half, Tyrone May, floating around. He just seemed to drop the ball off to players. Um, apart from the very first uh, hit where I think he got absolutely laid out trying to make a tackle, he didn't seem to get many uh, tackles on him. And he could have almost played that first half in a dinner jacket. Very impressive. <laughs> but half-time, Steve, um, very in control. But what about that sending off for, for Pelé? I mean, absolutely ridiculous, wasn't it? Well, they, they made a big thing of this guy Pelé and the number 10 shirt. <laughs> My God. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I saw okay, Steve. Do you know what? I just I, sorry, I hate cutting in. Do you know what? Pele, the footballer, an absolute gentleman, and I think for his sake, the comparison between him and Franklin Pele should stop right now because we've obviously seen that he's not fit to lace his boots. Um, mm. so Franklin Pele, hang your head in shame, um, and get all them shirts in the bin because there's no way that them two. Or on any kind of level. Yeah, I mean, he was interviewed beforehand on Sky, wasn't he? And during the interview, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, "You've got no chance, son. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll attack you. We'll run you around, and I'll give you ten minutes. You know." And he was the he was the first one to make a mistake for who where he lost his concentration at the play of the ball, wasn't standing square. That got us upfield. And then, you know, it just went from bad to worse after that. So I think that led to the first try, did it not? I'm not sure. But um, I, you know, it went from bad to worse for him. And and I looked, I don't want to talk about Hull, to be honest. I don't want to talk about Hull because 
I just see them as another rugby team. You know, um, I'm old enough now to have got over the the inter-town rivalry. And I, I rarely do talk about them. But, um, yeah, that tackle he made on Minchella was a throwback to the 70s. You know, there were millions of tackles like that in the game. And I thought we we got over that. We have. Uh, by the way, our discipline in the tackle was brilliant until yeah. that parcel later on. We'll probably yeah. talk about that later. But I, I thought our discipline in the tackle, the lack of penalties we were giving away, was, was excellent. And, um, you know, Pelle just, he, he just saw red and he deserved the sentence. <coughs> and I love the way Minchella waved to him as he was going on. <laughs> Yeah, fully deserving. Uh, second half, uh, James, we saw a fair sending off Liggy Sow. Um, Steve just mentioned it, Martin Parcell, Simbin for the same incident. Uh, Paul Cook giving his views on it. Um, I'm not quite sure it was an eye gouge, although he did run his, he run his fingers across Liggy Sow's mm. face and um, the rules are any contact with the head. Um, I do question whether something could have happened in back play or earlier on in the game because... Matty Parcells doesn't seem to be that kind of player, James, to to be going around doing dirty stuff like that. So I, I do think there's some kind of something's happened somewhere where Matty, Pace, Matty Parcells felt he's got to leave one on him. But I mean, it was just so obvious, wasn't it? He, he, he wasn't very discreet yeah. about what he was doing there. No, he wasn't. And it, you know, when he, it was, a, I thought it was a bit, bit dumb from. From Matty, to be honest, you know, I think yeah. Once you see it on the screen, you think I, th I honestly thought he was going to get a red card for that because I can see where Cook is coming from. That in terms of it could look could look like an eye gouge, um, and that was my thoughts when I saw it on the screen. Um, but I just thought it was a, a, a daft thing to do for Matty. Um, as you said, you know, up until then, Rover discipline had been absolutely superb, and you know, we we, we were commenting in at half time that Hull had gone come out really think really come out to try and bully Rovers. You know, they've sort of made a big thing of having all these big, big lads, new signings. They were trying to make an impression. Came in to try and bully Rovers, and it wasn't working. And up until that parcel incident, Rovers' discipline had been absolutely superb. But then, you're right. I think there probably must have been something happening in the back in back play to uh, to to cause that incident. But yeah, it was, I, th I thought it was lucky to, to just only get a yellow card and end up with a one match ban. So, I I don't I don't agree with Paul. Uh, Cook on it. I, I don't think it was a a gouge. He, he kept his. Well, I don't think it was there. I just think it looked like it looked like it, I think it, from one angle it looked like he could have, it could have done it. And I think it's a brush on it. He's like a brush. Yeah, it was a brush. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But it didn't. Yeah. It didn't look great. It didn't look great. Well, he shouldn't have done it. And no. straight away. No. And I was amazed that um, Liggy Sowell got sent off. I mean, most players in that situation would perhaps react like that. Yeah. I'm wondering whether Liggy Cell was just trying to trying to get up. I'm not sure. Um but he did he did connect with what Parcel said with the I can name. I can guarantee you this Steve and, and I tell you what if Liggy Cell hadn't reacted but he'd have stayed down injured and he said to the referee he's made contact with my face and then they'd have reviewed it Matty Parcel would have received a red card for that offence. I can, yeah, I can guarantee yeah. you yeah. Yeah, he would have done but Liggy Sow's reaction almost Give pass, you know, the referee gives the opportunity to forget a little bit about Parcells. So it was a crazy play. Second half, Steve, we saw further tries from that man, Matty Parcell. Uh, Nile Evels on, on what, 79th minute, he finished the game going in. Um, 
I suppose, I mean, it's a difficult one. Do you think Willie Peters would have been happier that they kept Hull to zero or more disappointed that they didn't score more points? No, I think first match of the season, I think he'd be delighted that mm. we kept him to zero. And, I, you know, there's stuff to work on in attack. Uh, Peter said that. But we still scored mm. 22 points. Could have been 30. Uh, we'd have taken a 30 nil. <laughs> Before the match, wouldn't we? We'd have taken 22 nil. I'd have taken one nil. But um, you know, I think Peters would be delighted with the mm. the defensive showing, the line speed, the discipline in defence, and every man knowing his job and doing his job pretty pretty well. You know, so um, I'm not bothered about the fact that we didn't get 40 or 50 or whatever. The fact that we won the game, first game of the season. Texas in against Leeds. And I've got to say, and we will say no doubt later, um, I'm more confident about that game, the Leeds game, than I was about the Leeds game before we played Hull, if you see what I mean. Um, yeah. You know. Well, Statman Reese, our Leeds Rhinos uh, correspondent, is, is chomping at the bit to get on, so we're going to bring you in very shortly. Uh, just to finish off, Man of Steel points, Mikey Lewis got three, Kleppi. Tangano got two, Nye Levels got two. Uh, the Super League team of the week, uh, Mikey Lewis and Nye Levels featured in that. And interesting to see who Mikey Evans partnered in that uh, team of the week, Jordan Abdul. Um, interesting performance for him against Warrington, um, of course, showing that early season form just like he did for us uh, last season. Um I suppose, James, uh, we'll round up the, the derby with this. I'm glad we've got them in the loop fixture um, because yeah. um, from where you, from what we saw, you know, and what's to come from them, they don't seem to be able to, to or look like that they're going to get any better. No, no, they're, they're, they're going to get worse. You know, it's, it's, it's great to see. And yeah, I'm just glad we've got, glad we've got them in the loop fixture and there. Uh, just hope we don't uh, cock it up like we did last year against them at home. Yeah, but and I've got it on very. They had players like Clifford, and they had players like Clifford. They, they had a much better team last year. Although yeah. looking at the Rovers team and looking at the Hull team, I perhaps would have only put two Hull players in the Rovers team last year, and that would have been Swift and Clifford, maybe, maybe. But um, this year, the, I. I Again, I say I don't like talking about Hull, but... Well, let's um, stop there then, Steve. Let's stop talking about that <laughs> lot and let's move on to Hull Kingston Rovers and Leeds Rhinos as uh, Statman Reese um, was becoming a regular on the Robin Pod and probably virtue of the fact that we played each other so many times, at the, you know, including pre-season friendlies. Uh, Reese, um, I don't know, did you did you watch Thursday night's game? I did indeed. I think it's of the... Of, of all the games to start the season, and I think the whole derby is the one that you should start with, I think it's the biggest game in the Super League. It's just a shame that it's not a good game to watch anymore because it's, yeah, it's just it one-sided. It, it, it was pre-season for you guys. You've not really played around in Super League yet. Yeah. And let's leave it there. I think saying it was like a pre-season game is probably doing it justice. Uh, Reese, Thursday night, Leeds go into the game on the back of a victory over Salford. Uh, 22 points to 16 victors. Um, I suppose Salford, many people tipped as being maybe a team that might be down towards the bottom of the league. 
Of course, Leeds introducing a new spine, a, a, a raft of new additions to the into the team. Um, did that game go the way you expected uh, from a Leeds Rhinos point of view? Um, no, <laughs> I, I, I was hoping it was going to be a bit simpler, to be honest with you. But I think you've got to give the credit to Salford. For that, they were entirely up for it. They came to frustrate us. They were constantly slowing the play of the ball, taking time out of the game, you know, taking breaks to slow down the game and interrupt Rhinos. And to be fair, they played to an absolute tee. But to be fair, even still at half time, we was behind. I was still quite confident we would edge it through. But I mean, edge it through and win by a try. But I think credit's got to give it to Salford because hmm. I don't think they'll sit down this year. I think they've still got a good character and they've still got a very good coach. So. I even think my prediction of them was probably a bit harsh given the, given the challenges they've had of the off-season. But I think they look a far better team than people are giving credit for. Did you, did you manage to watch the game, Steve? Yeah, I did. Um, and that's where I get my opinion that I'm not as fearful about Leeds as I was before, when, you know, before we played Hull. I went to the match at Headingley, the pre-season James Donaldson match, and, and Leeds look good. And Leeds do look good. But um, I think defensively, they were brilliant in attack, and that Ashani try was as good a try as I've seen in my life. Um, but defensively, I think they've got still got a little bit uh, that they need to call on. And, and I think, given that, I think, um, given the way we defended against them, um, we showed a professionalism there that, that that could stand us in good stead against Leeds. Yeah, I mean, my take on it is that Salford had to play very well to match a Leeds side that was doing okay, and Leeds looked like a side that had a lot more to give. Whereas Salford, did they have the ability to step it up and 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 really challenging and take the lead. I don't think they did. And I think Salford will be a side that if they're going to compete with any side in Super League, they're going to have to be at their best pretty much every game. And that still might not be enough. Whereas they'll struggle without Mark Sneed. A few sides in Super League who can play. They'll yeah. struggle big time. Well, I think there's plenty of sides in Super League who can play at 75% and still be able to gain the victory. So it'd be, hey, who knows? I mean, I could be talking complete bollocks. It won't be the first time. So we'll see how that pans out. During the season, Reese, you'd have been buoyed going into the game on Thursday night on the back of that victory. But the squad news from earlier today uh, may have dampened your enthusiasm based on some of the injuries that you've incurred uh, yeah. as a result. Yeah, so um, I actually felt against Salford we were going to be a bit weaker in the middle, but someone that made a difference in that and actually made us stronger in the middle was Oledski. Um, he had a really big game. I think it was 115 metres, 7.7 metres per carry, you know, no errors, no penalties. Um, but he's out, which means both our starting props are not available on Thursday. So we're now talking another a starting prop between Sangare, Lasone, uh, Tom Nickerson Watton, who's only ever made one uh, appearance, but he's a highly rated youngster, and <laughs> Michael Gunamond and Jamie Donaldson. So I think if you know, KR have got an opportunity really down the middle to, to put us to the sword and, and challenge us. But Oledski's a big miss. Obviously, Holroyd's a, a miss as well. Um, Fussy 2 has been come, confirmed out for quite a while as well. So it means that that wing depth is being tested. Uh, you know, Lewis Roberts did make a couple of mistakes on, on Friday night. One of them, I think, was a dodgy call, but one, the other did lead to a try. But he also caught the high ball 
which was a challenging high ball, which I sadly then ran down the pitch on the next play. So, um, and we all know how difficult it is at Craven Park, you guys more than I do. Um, so I think Lewis Roberts will be testing on that wing spot. Um, and then other players, obviously, we've just been found out that Gannon's out for for three months due to concussions, you know, which is sad to see for a 20-year-old that has played so much rugby at such a young age. I just certainly hope that this is the last of it for him because the talent that he has is immense. Um, but yeah, a couple of injuries. Uh, I, but I still think in the outside backs, we've got some serious flair and serious potential and serious potential to cause a problem. You know, we've all seen what Ash Hanley can do. Um, you know, that ball, that try came from two confident passes in your own 10 metre line. And I think we've got that flair on both edges to cause a problem. Um, so, yeah, going to be a bit weaker up front, but I still think we've got the depth to put up a good fight. Yeah, James, the squad news for the Robins, uh, we're missing Dean Hadley. He uh, suffered a HIA against um, the Black and Whites on Thursday, so he misses out. Matty Parcell, of course, he's suspended after incurring a ban. Um, the good news is Matty Starton comes in um, after he missed the derby, so he'd say he's a light for light replacement with Hadley. And senior, Lou Senior, mm. he comes into the squad um, after he didn't feature against the Black and Whites. Um, and congratulations to Reese Butterworth. Um, he's not named in the squad. His partner, I think, just today has given birth um, to um, their little baby. So congratulations to them. He missed the derby because of a HIA. Probably wouldn't have featured anyway. Uh, of course, fair choice hooker. With the news, Matty Parcell was going to be suspended. You might have expected him to then be the, the second choice fullback, uh, hooker, sorry. Um, of course, he's not. So, James, there's some interesting calls to make around the pack, isn't there, in terms of who might play hooker and, of course, who might then line up at prop and who might then come onto the bench for the interchanges because it's... Um, we saw Yusuf Aydin, he featured. Um, mm. I, thought he did, I thought he did okay. Um, yeah, did all right. Where, where do you... Where do you see Willie Peters making changes on, on Thursday night? Uh, I think he's going to keep the bulk of the squad bulk of the squad as best he can. And I think he's probably going to bring... Uh, I can see Stoughton coming in straight swap for Hadley. Um, I think the bench one's going to be quite interesting. I think I can sort of see Lytton playing for 80 minutes. Um, and then if he does need to spell him, Minchella will probably go into, into the hooker. But then it's the other place on the, the bench that's to replace uh, Parcel. That's going to be quite interesting. Um, I can see Tennyson getting a spot. Um, but, yeah, so the interesting one is Senior in the, into, the, into the squad. So, potentially got three, well, four wingers in that squad. Yeah. So, yeah, it just that, 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 that one's a bit out of the blue, out of the blue really. Uh, that seems. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, not really sure where where he would, he would play him, him anyway. So unless there's a doubt about Evels, but then surely Burgess would come in, and then unless Ryan Hall's got picked something up, I don't know. Steve, we saw Corey Hall. He was um, well. He didn't play a game at centre in the pre-season friendlies. He played second row. Um, he was 18th man against Hull FC on Thursday. Um, does the absentees of does that give him the place on on the bench now in terms of playing second row? Um, Tennyson, you know, there's an opportunity there as a youngster coming into the squad. Um, I suppose there's no real, real obvious slot in there, is there? Oh, well, Corey Hall, the the, the preseason game against Leeds, arguably, um, two of the Leeds tries. 
you know, were at least heckles from Corey Hall. Um, the, the, the name that interests me, I think, is Louis Gorman. He's in the 21, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. I just, hasn't he played hooker before? No. No, he's just full back and centre. Yeah. I, I just wonder whether he might kind of be put in. I don't know. I don't know. But um, uh, Tennyson would be the one for me. I would, you know, um, you talked about Yosef Aden. I think he's this is going to be his season. He's mm. given the opportunity. I think he'll take it with both hands. Yeah. And he's uh, he looked a far more accomplished player. Um, in the pre-season and what have you, and they looked last season. So you know, I, I like the look of this kid. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he, he seems to bulk up a bit as well, doesn't he, from uh, last year? Yeah. And I was quite, yeah. I was impressed with him on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, he tackles well, and uh, I think he, he'll get more opportunities this year. You know, but uh, against Leeds, we've got we've got the starting thirteen. And uh, like you say, the, the, the benches, we've got to see whether there's any tricks up my, uh, Peter's uh, sleeve on that one. Yeah, Reese. I mean, you've seen, obviously, you watched the opening game against um, that lot. You saw, obviously, your own side take on Salford. Um, you've looked at your squad. There's uh, some absentees. If Leeds are going to get a victory, where where do you see that coming from? The outside backs, you know, I've looked at the weather forecast. You'll be pleased to know it's not raining, gents, at the moment, as things stand. <laughs> um, there won't be any, hopefully, any disasters like Luke Cooley had to face with uh, Abdul's kicking last year. Um, so, I think I think minimum errors, as always, leads keeping the discipline. I think, you know, it's your first home game of the season. You're coming off the back of a nilling Hull FC in the derby at their place. You know, it's going to be pretty much a sellout by the looks of things. Um, there's only a couple of tickets left, so I think if you guys get off the front foot and score early, that's a very that's very hard to turn over in that in that atmosphere. So I think Leeds need to start from the minute one. We need to match you up front in the middle. I'm not I'm not expecting us to control the middle, but I'm expecting us to as a to meet the challenge and then use that flair on the outside backs. You know, Croft and Frawley had a very quiet game against Salford, um, particularly Croft. You know, so and I think if we can get those balls out onto the left and right edges, I think we can cause some serious damage. Um, but it all comes from making sure that we start from the first minute and we challenge in the middle and don't walk over. That half-back battle is going to be interesting because if, as you say, um, Reese, the Leeds pack isn't... It, it looks a small pack to me. And if we get on top in the pack, then the half-backs will... We, we are a prop light uh, and you know we said that in the off season uh, to be honest I don't think you can have too many props in the squad I'd, I'd, have, I'd have them all um, if we could um, you know we've, I, I still think the props can challenge but the, you know especially the, the impact that Lasoni can make off the bench is brilliant but I'd never start him because he, he, he can't do long stints you know we're used to Oledski doing 70 minutes normally um, you know and that's a big player to be missing a player that can play that physical and that strong for that long is a big person to replace, um, but they've got to step up. But like you say, if, if you guys get that platform, Mikey Lewis and Tyron May could potentially just play us off the park. And that's why I'm saying that I think the most important thing for Leeds, again, is starting from minute one, but they've got to win, not maybe win, just to match that battle and challenge in the middle. 
Yeah, Reese. I mean, you're the stat man. Did anyone particularly sh uh, shine against Salford in terms of stats? Uh, I've, I've, well, I led to keep, but he was injured, <laughs> so that was that one. Um, to be honest, the next one was Ash Hanley. Obviously, the meters that he made, but obviously, a lot of them come from running pretty much the length of the pitch. Uh, I don't think anyone else really for Leeds stood out, to be honest. And that, I think that's probably the measure of the game when you said Leeds did okay. I think that matches up. You know, we only had one one play over 100 metres. You had Hiku, Evels, Hall, Lewis, all over 100 metres in your back line um, on the night on the Gates Hall. So I think not really too much more to impress from Lee's perspective than the Ledsky. Um, but I think the key battle on the night, and it, it's players that always look good in the stats, is Smith versus Minchella. I think two really good loose forwards, probably two of the best three, maybe four loose forwards in the league. Mm. Um, both within a shout in the England team. I think it's that's going to be a really interesting matchup. And both of those always look good in the stats because of their tackle numbers and their playmaking ability. Yeah, James, I mean, you mentioned Minchella. There's every opportunity he could be spelled at hooker on on uh, Thursday night in the absence of Matty Parcell. Um Although Jez Litton's got every opportunity and probably every chance of doing 80 minutes. Um, it's interesting what Reece said about the, their outside backs and their flair, and, and that's where he sees a, a route to success for me. That's maybe what one of our strengths is in terms of our, our second-row centre-wingers uh, being able to defend so well. So it is going to be a, a really tight encounter, I think, on Thursday night. Um, although I'm pretty confident that the Robins are going to reign supreme. I don't know about you, James. I just... I just think the injury news to the Leeds and 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 the, and the fact that the Robins looked, although they didn't look sparkling against Hull uh, FC, they looked in control and and they didn't look like the, um, the they didn't look like they had to step up a gear and they looked pretty confident in what they was about what they were doing. So I, I'm I, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Leeds are limited to a, to scoring just a, a few points on Thursday night. I really do. No, I agree. I think I put down 24-10 on the uh, on the um, on the prediction uh, table, but I think it's certainly going to be a, a much better, I think, uh, tougher game than it was on uh, last Thursday, Thursday night. Um, but you know, as you say, I think you know Rovers have got that other gear to to step up, and I think if you look back to Thursday night, you know, it wasn't really the night for expansive rugby. You know, Rovers were workmen like they were efficient in what they did. If it's not going to be raining on. This coming Thursday, then I think that's going to give him a bit more opportunity and scope to uh, to perhaps throw the ball around. And he said, if you've got Leeds have got the uh, players missing, then the pack's going to get on top. But we're just need to watch out for their outside backs. As he said, that handy try was just was just fantastic. He just sort of yeah, he just it just seemed to go on forever. And I thought Aaron Newman had a good game as well, you know, for for uh, for once. So I think you know keep keep those two under control and then. Uh, Get the forwards on top. We should we should should come out on top, but it's going to be a tougher game. And it always is against Leeds. So yeah, if I don't know. If you remember last year, we, we 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 beat them comfortably, didn't we? With the Abdul's kicking game, but we did score two late tries. We scored two yeah. tries in the second half, and therefore because of that, I brought Rovers winning eighteen fourteen in the predictor. But um, yeah, so we've got to be careful of that. And we've got to keep going. Yeah, um, I know everybody's chomping at the bit, the viewers, the listeners, to find out about everybody's predictions uh, in the Robin Pod Predictions League. Steve, Reese, James are all members of that. 
congratulations to Dan Kraft, who tops the league at the moment. Everybody in the league predicted a, a red and white victory, so everybody was on three points. But Dan Kraft, um, he predicted that the um, the difference he he got the uh, he was closest to the most points scored in his prediction uh, this week. Um, I've not given a prediction yet, so I'm going to keep everybody guessing. Um, Steve's already given his prediction. James, you've predicted that Robbins will win by 24, 24 points to 10. Yeah, six tries. Yeah, six tries. <laughs> so we're going to come on to that very shortly because six tries <laughs> means not a lot of goals being scored. Um, Statman Reese, he's put a 22 points at 18 victory. Um, so... I think he's for rhinos, Jono, for, jo for rhinos, oh, sorry, Jono, yeah, let's make sure. Yeah, that's that very clear. <laughs> yeah, also pilot. Yeah, um, although I think you're probably doing that on the basis that Rovers might miss quite a few kicks rather than uh, that. The yeah, that no, that is that. Well, that's exactly what that is. There's a. I think there's. I can't, I can't remember how I worked it out. I think Leeds were going to miss one kick, but score four tries. But I think you were going to score four tries, but only get one kick or maybe two. I can't remember how. One, I think. Yeah, I mean, all joking aside, Steve, um, it needs sorting out, doesn't it? Goal kicking, it cannot be our Achilles heel this season because there's too many games lost um, previously based on on just not enough goals being scored. And um, the, the pressure is, Pete, uh, Paul Cook already mentioned it, I spoke to him about it, the pressure really is on Petr Hickel to, to start nailing these kicks. Yeah, I, I don't think, in all my time supporting Rovers, I don't think season Even at the West of Times, you know, we had people, we had, I'm not degrading them, but Mike Fletcher, when Rovers had a, had a poor team, Mike Fletcher, Fletcher come back field and uh, lots of other goal kickers. Um, and I, I really don't think we've gone into a season in the past without a goal kicker, and this season it looks like we're going to. I'd, people are saying, I'd give Mikey Lewis a shot. I'd give Mikey Lewis a shot. People say no, I've got to put more pressure on him. But he loves pressure. He thrives on pressure. So I don't think um, Willie Peters is going to do that. I think I think the first three goal kicks that we take, it'll be Petr Hickel. After that, if he if he has a poor return, then we might look at Mikey Lewis or James Batchelor. Yeah, Reese. Um, I mean, I get sick of talking about it. Plenty of rule changes in rugby league, and we've seen some of the the consequences of that over the weekend. Is a rule for you? Um, teams are allowed to name a nineteenth man, a specialist goal kicker who can only come on to kick goals. What? It's what do you reckon? NFL. Seen it in the it's NFL. Not, yeah. not the NFL, Jono. But no, why not? Why, why should it's, such, look, it's two points? It's such a specialist thing. It, we can't it, be making rules for. Uh, the box. We can't be making rules up for what is a mistake uh, to not have someone in that specialist in that role. I mean, you look at Reese Martin on Friday, two of those kicks he nailed. He nailed all of them, but two of them were on the right and the touchline. He, I mean, we have a debate in our own pod about, in terms of a kicking, from a kicking perspective, him versus Sinfield, it's boring because the, they were both so systematic in getting goals over, but I'm actually thinking that Martin potentially was as, is as good, if not better, than, than Simford. Now, I'd have to look at all the numbers to actually see if that works. But having someone that can just knock those two points over with confidence is massive, and you can't be making rules up, Jono, just uh, just because uh, Mr Peters didn't get a specialist kicking uh, in his squad. Listen, Jono, get the, get the call yeah. up to Josh Mantellato in Australia for our 19th month. 
Yeah, yeah. I'd be calling Brad Schneider up because he's not getting in the squad, is he, at the moment? So I'd be getting him, giving him a call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unlikely to feature Penrith. James, I mean, lastly, um, I posed a question to Paul Cook. Um, If you look at um, Petr Hickel's kicking record throughout his career, um, he's not a renowned goal kicker, is he? Is it is it no. too late to I don't know teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing? You know, Paul Cook said that everybody can kick a goal. It's whether you can do it in the heat of the battle and when mm. it counts most. And and um, do you know what the one thing that I'd hate James though is on and I know it's going to happen is when Hiku does nearly kick on Thursday night. There'll be an ironic cheer from the east stand. Yeah. And, he, and yeah. it, I can't stand it when that happens. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I saw something the other day about Hiku's goal kicking in the NRL. I think he'd only kicked three goals from Manly in his whole career. So it does make you wonder why, you know, how he'd come to the decision to make uh, Hiku the uh, the kicker. Yeah, it must have. It must have also been working well in well, working well in pre-season. So they said, you know, give it um, give it a go and see how, how we get how we get on. But it, it is it is a worry. It is a worry going lo- you know, long term. And it was a bit worrying before the kickoff because when they came out to the warm up and he, I think he was doing some kick, kicks then, it, you know, it was, it was well well wide then. It, it could have been the you know the wind or the rain or whatever different thing, but it didn't sort of instill him with confidence. So hopefully, he's, he's going to get better. I mean, they've obviously had that um, coaching from Doncaster Knights, haven't they? In the rugby union to try and sort of help him, uh, give him some um, technique, etc. So hopefully it's just first night's nerves and Thursday night it'll be banging them over from all over the place. Yeah, it's never a good sound when you start to get wet. Sorry, I can't believe we've got a kicking coach. I really can't believe that. You know, year on year on year we've had kickers. We've mm. never had the need of a kicking coach before. And that yeah, but Steve, we're, we're the man City of Rugby League now. We can get as many coaches <laughs> back up <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that'd be a fair point. Uh Reese, you're travelling over to Hull for the game. Are you are you looking forward to, to savoring the bright lights of East Hull on Thursday night? I am. It's actually my first time to Craven Park, not being before. So uh really looking forward to it. Um hopefully I can finish working time because it's a two hour journey for me from where I live. Um so I can get there before kick off and find a parking spot. But no, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's a ground that I've I've always wanted to go to, uh, especially in recent years of the atmosphere. It had been sold out. Uh, I've always wanted to try and see what Craven Street was all about because I think that's quite unusual to have um, at stadiums as well. So no, I'm really looking forward to it. And just uh, like I said, I hope for the weather forecast stays as is, so that it is a, a dry experience. Yeah. To be fair, Reese, uh, on the M62, you could be 20 minutes away from the game, but it still takes you two hours. Uh, yeah. So hopefully you'll have a, a decent journey across and you won't get stuck. Um, it, it promises to be another fantastic occasion at Silverbrook Craven Park on Thursday night. Hulkington Rovers once again opening up the round of Super League, the only Super League fixture on Sky Sports main event uh, this week. So of course it's natural, isn't it, that they pick Hulkington Rovers to to open up round two of Super League. Um, hopefully there's going to be plenty of points on the board mostly in favour of the red and whites. And hopefully, Pet Hiku gets to ram everybody's words back down the throat and he nails every single kick that he gets. Um, oh final thoughts, Reese, ahead of the game? 
Um, no, I think it's. I think it's a really good. It's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be tight. Um, but like I said, I think there's some really interesting battles, mainly that Smith Minchella battle. But if both our side bats can play as good as they can on both sides, I think we could be in for an exciting game if it's dry. Mm. But um, I think it's a really good tester for both sides after a, both of them an okay start in round one. Yeah, Steve, um, two points on Thursday night. Uh, will um, it'll give us it'll give us a lot of hope, especially as we face Salford next, and who knows what they'll do in round two. But it is starting to a victory against Leeds will, will start making people really thinking. You know, you know, decent start here, and, and there's uh, the main business this whole Kingston Rovers side. Yeah, I'm looking two games ahead over time, and. I think if we could go into the Warrington game at home in a couple of weeks with six points, that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. And and we can do it. Um, I'm kind of 75% sure that we'll beat Leeds. But there's that extra 25% that, you know, like Reece said, those outside backs are electric. So power outside yep. backs defensively are. And James, uh, Steve seems to have fallen into the trap of thinking too far ahead, something that many old Kingston Rovers fans have done in the past, and it's come back and bitters. Um, but no, it, it does present uh, the injuries that Reese has mentioned, and, and um, you know, it does present a fantastic opportunity, doesn't it, on Thursday? But it will still be a very, very tough encounter. It will be. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to. It. I think you know Leeds have recruited well, uh, and it's going to be they're going to be a completely different team to what we saw you know, we, we saw last season. And I think you know realistically, you know, the likes of Leeds we're going to be competing with the likes of Leeds for for the playoffs rather than some other sort of lesser teams that we played uh, last week. So now I'll be looking forward to it. I think it'd be a good um, indication of you know how far we've we've come on and how, you know where we can how far we can potentially get to. Jono. That trap I fell into. If you recall last season, at the end of last season, I said we'd only lose one game after Wembley. We actually lost the, the grand final, semi-final. But other than that, we won the rest. Yeah, there you go. You, I'll come to you for some more tips as well then, Steve. <laughs> right. That is it. The end of this week's Robin Pod Weekly. Huge thanks to everybody who's joined us for the pod. If you're listening on uh, podcast or watching on YouTube, um, if you're going to the game on Thursday, which I'm sure you are, make sure that you're loud and proud. And don't forget to live, love, laugh and be. Happy.